You ready? I hope so. No turning back. So ready. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the I Think This Is Love podcast. I'm your host, Cherie. And if you're a first-time listener, this is the podcast where we talk all about love. So today with me is one of my good friends, Peter. He's literally one of my favorite humans in the whole world. Peter, do you want to say hi? I would love to say hi. Um, That was very sweet of you as well. But hello, everyone. Uh, Super excited to be here today. Okay, Peter, can you give us your status update? This is just your relationship status and how you feel about it. All right, so currently single, very single, <laughs> have been for a while. Um, came out of a three-year relationship at the end of the summer in August, and I spent the summer at the University of Virginia and leaving there, coming back to Ohio. Yeah, I left the relationship that I was in and been single for the whole year. Um, currently on some dating apps, but nothing doing too much right now. Um, Just kind of focused on second semester of second year of grad school. Yeah, for sure. Okay, you can say no to this, but I'm going to ask it. So whenever I hear that people are on dating apps, I'm always very curious. So would you mind reading us what your bio is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so my bio. So we have me uh, on a mountaintop in New Hampshire. Classic. And says I'm a graduate assistant uh, in leadership development at Miami University, which is the truth. I am that. Right. Um, and then it says, lover of adventures, looking for a travel buddy, Ohio graduate student by way of New Hampshire. With some fun facts then. hey Yeah. Ladies, if you're single, <laughs> please call. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go on a friend date. Now, this is just awesome. a series of semi-personal questions, and you just answer to the best of your ability. So, if you had an autobiography, what would be the title? I mean, kind of like right now in my life, my mantra or slogan is make others feel at home. I'm all about home and helping people find a sense of home. And I love relationships and building connections to help people feel like they belong. And so it would center around home and it might even be that. Yeah. Uh, making others feel at home. Uh, it's just a really important value to me. The makes most important. Sense. Yeah, for sure. You're good at that. Thanks. In a movie about your life, which actor would play you? Like, Ryan Reynolds is way funnier than I am on every level. It'd be cool if he would play me. Yeah. Like, I would love to think that he would be able to play me. and be like, I don't know. I, I would feel good about myself if he did. Yeah. I feel like Ryan Reynolds is a little more sarcastic than you, but... He's pretty sarcastic. I could see that. I was going to say, like, uh, Chris Evans, like, but, like, a less annoying Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just, like, an all-around, like, good person. Like, nice, but not, like, in an awkward way. Yeah. You know what I mean? He has... I always think of Captain America, though, as, like, having a really, like, chiseled jaw. And I don't think I have that. But you have a beard, so, I like... Have a beard. I feel like beards kind of make you look more chiseled. Okay. But I've never had a beard, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> Who's the guy with the the flowy blonde hair? Oh. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. No. No? That's Thor, isn't right. it? Right. Yeah, flowy <laughs> no, blonde hair. Thor. Oh, okay. no, no, not in um, not in Marvel or, oh, or the Avengers. Okay. Um, oh, that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> just any actor just, with flowy blonde hair. Did you see? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what, I don't are, know. what are they playing? Okay, because literally, I think this could be the person. Um, uh, definitely Owen Wilson. I could see Owen Wilson playing you, actually. Yeah. Okay, and then who would play your love interest and her co-star? Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I'd say so. She never ages. Exactly. It's wild. 
Yeah, and she's just like a fun-loving spirit at the same time. Yeah. And like, that's just an amazing thing. For sure. Okay, only child or siblings? So I have a younger brother. His name's Ryan. Uh, he is three years and three days younger than me. And yeah, he is like, so we're both really outdoorsy. Um, grew up in our backyard, like playing sports together. And um, but in every other way, like we could not be more opposite. Mm. Like I'm super extroverted and can be loud and weird and goofy. And he's just like really quiet <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's like fine to like spend the whole day alone and like do his thing and be off in the woods and sleep there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, beach or mountains? See, that's, that's tough. Really? Yeah. So, huh. okay, growing up, because I grew up in the mountains, in the White right. Mountains of New Hampshire, and loved to hike and be outside, um, but my favorite place would be the beach, where my family would go on vacation. Oh. Uh, the beaches in Maine, Wells Beach, okay. or Old Orchard Beach, and that was just like my favorite spot to be, even though it was only a week that we'd get to go every year. Um, and I think it was because I lived in the mountains that I like underappreciated them, and then now that I don't live in the mountains and I'm here in Ohio <laughs> with neither, uh, I kind of crave both. But I think at heart, like just that beach vibe and I wow. wear, like I wear a lot of bracelets. Yeah. Um, and I love just like, yeah, that positive warm weather sun, like that, you know, that, yeah, that beach vibe. It's mm. what wow. I'm all about at heart. That is so surprising to me. Really? You thought mountains? Yeah. I think because of how much you talk about hiking, mm. I would have just like assumed mountains. Yeah. But you went to Cali over spring break. I did. We went to SoCal. Yeah. Uh, San Diego, LA. Just did it all. Laguna Beach. And I was like, whoa, this is my home. I need to be here. <laughs> and so that like confirmed this question, I think. For yeah, me. for sure. Okay. What is the most attractive trait in someone you're looking to date? The ability to find happiness and laughter in the smallest of things and smallest of places um, in like your daily life. Mm. I think like finding a laugh or the ability to be weird and find joy or happiness in that in a moment where people might not normally, like yeah. they might just be going about their day, um, whether it's going to work, going to the store, like anything, but, but taking a moment and yeah, being able to like find a laugh in that. Mm. I think that's, that's gotta be it. Yeah, for sure. So kind of along with that, then what is the least attractive trait? Definitely. I say definitely because I think I've had, like, I've just been in relationships where I know it's, like, not going to work for me because, like, someone that just, like, drains me of my energy and my joy. So, like, the, the polar opposite of mm. kind of the most attractive trait. Yeah. Um, yeah, some, like, for whatever reason, just kind of, like, sucks the energy out of me. I wouldn't just call it pessimism. Like, it's a little bit deeper than that or, or more than that, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And so just, yeah, not being able to, like, find a spark of joy. Yeah. Yeah. What is a non-negotiable for you in dating? I'd say, so as, like, just a really extroverted person, like, I just love to be around people, lots of people all the time, and because that just fills me up. Um, so someone that is willing to be around, like, my, you know, other groups of friends uh, in different settings and like doesn't need to be attached to my hip by any means mm -hmm. like but is just willing to understand that like that's what life's gonna kind of look like with me um, and like gets excited by that and is also willing to like you know connect me with with their circles of people too because I think like that can just open so many other doors um, 
yeah, to other friendships that can come through that relationship. And so like, I just need that definitely in, yeah. in that relationship. Yeah, for sure. What are the telltale signs that you're into someone? Telltale signs that I'm into someone. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm like, you're making you can, me re- like, reflect in a way I've never reflected before. That's, this what, is, that's the goal. This is amazing. You can think back to like when you were younger or you can, I mean, it could be recent. It could be like last week. Okay, I got you. Here we go. So telltale signs back in the day, like when I first started to ever like, have crushes on girls ever. Um, I remember like there was this one girl, her name was McKenna. I was, I think, a junior in high school. She was a sophomore at the high school, like 10 minutes north of my town. So I went to White Mountains Regional High School, a tiny little high school. There was 86 people in my graduating class, like 450 students in the high school. And I think there was like 30 students in her class. Like these are really small schools. And I was super into her. Um, My best best friend, Connor, was dating her best friend, Erica. And (laughs) we went bowling as like a double date type thing. Like they were already together or no I forget I know Connor was dating her best friend I don't know if they came on the, the bowling like adventure it might have been our other friends Mercedes but there was a group of us that went right and I was so like freaked out that like I didn't say a word to her the entire night oh my god I never talked to her once and we even they put us in like the back seat like while like our other two <gasps> friends drove the car and so we were the only and I didn't say a single word I was so nervous Peter. like <laughs> I was so timid honestly and so that was the sign that I was like really into it was like no talk whatsoever. Wow. Just like no acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Zero whatsoever. Not the best way to show someone that you're into them probably. Do you feel like you've changed at all? 100%. Like 180 <laughs> degrees. Like for sure. So what does it look like now? At first or at times like I go back and forth with like trying to play it a little cool when like <laughs> we shouldn't be playing it cool because like I'm a weirdo for sure. Um, I don't know. Like I'll... I'll be like, I'll definitely joke around with the person a lot, like try to be like witty or like funny. Um, I think I've become okay with like back in the day when I, I would not talk to the person when I was into them. Like, I think that was because I was scared of them ever seeing something wrong with me or something that would like, you know, turn them away from me or be like, yeah, no, this guy's, he's like freaking weird. Like I don't want to, talk to him. <laughs> now I just try to like embrace that and I think I've like reached a point where it's like, okay, if someone's not okay with that, then that's not a person I would want to be with, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, just like being like almost interacting with them more like than, than it's just somebody that I'm, yeah, I just know like an acquaintance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely trying to like, yeah, be funny with them and, and witty, make them laugh, like make them smile for sure. Um, cause then like, I'll just get excited when they like talk back to me. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm learning so much about you. Okay. Have you ever been in love? That's honestly a a question that I have debated over really like the past, I'd say like five to six years of my life. Mm. Um, I've been in several relationships since senior year of high school. Yeah. I've been in like, I've been in like five committed relationships, including like my senior year of high school. Um, and each of those there's, so my, my biggest mentor in life, uh, Kristen Carpenter is her name back at the University of New Hampshire. She told me that like every relationship that you are in and then leave leads you closer and closer to the person or the relationship that is right for you. Kind of mm. like narrows it down because you yeah. learn, right? Like, you know, the type of person that's right for you or the things that you need and um, your non-negotiables and stuff like that. Um, and so I've felt myself like getting closer and closer. And 
I think I thought I was in love in my last relationship, um, which was my longest relationship. I was in it was three years, uh, yeah. like I was saying. But yeah, I think I reached a point where I, I then realized, you know, I think I, I love that person. Um, her name's Kelsey, and I think I, I love her. I care about her so much, but I don't think I was in love with love with her. Mm. So yeah, but I I've found myself asking like, what will that actually feel like? Yeah. So I think I, I still don't have an exact answer for it, which makes me think, all right, then I haven't been in that situation yet, because mm. whatever it is and whatever it feels like would like be apparent to me. Yeah. I would hope. Yeah. So then, kind of with that, do you feel like you've ever had your heart broken? You know, I I think so. Um, <laughs> it's funny because McKenna, the bowling girl. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like I was like so okay so, I'm just like a really emotional person. Um, mm. I feel like a lot and, and I'm, I'm very open to like sharing that with people. Um, I catch feelings really quick too. Like that's something I've learned about myself. Yeah. Like catch feelings real quick. <laughs> and that totally happened like with my kind of way back in the day. Um, and yeah, I think when like it just like didn't work out and she was like, she kind of left and like just kind of stopped talking to me. And then I found out through like her friend that like, oh, McKenna's looking for like different types of guys than like what the type of guy that you are. Um, which that that hurt a lot I remember sitting at my desk in my bedroom like exactly where I was and everything like when that conversation happened Um, so that was a lot of hurt I would I I think that that was heartbreak then Um, and then it happened again um, I think my junior year when I actually got out of a really unhealthy relationship that needed to end Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't in love or anything like that but it was just really really unhealthy we had split up um, at the start of like the second semester of the year. Um, but then we were lab partners the oh, whole year. No. So yeah, like wow. not good. And we were like in this lab behind like the computer screen, like crying and like arguing under our breath and oh stuff gosh. like most labs. And then at one point we got back together later in the semester. Cause we thought that's what we needed. We were just like around each other so much. And then it just got, it's just spiraled from there. Wow. Um, it was just mentally and even physically like very unhealthy for, for both of us. Um, but then the way that it ended was actually like, not good at all um and I yeah I think like I was not in a good way after that so I don't know if it was heartbreak that was almost just like my like self-esteem in a lot of ways um yeah just like well-being was not in a good place so broken in like a slightly different way and I don't mean to be like too like I don't know negative but no you're fine I mean it's heartbreak I think that heartbreak is whatever it means to you mm-hmm. um yeah that's a lot to handle at such a young age wow yeah (laughs) (laughs) all my lab partners were just like weird they weren't like mean or exes (laughs) (laughs) and the the thing is it wasn't a lab where like we could move around and like go get the next like vial of chemicals to like it wasn't like a chemistry lab or biology lab where we're like it was a gis like geographical information systems lab like we're we're sitting behind a computer the entire time just the two of us like working on this oh, project so we're like that's rough confined wow okay do you have a most memorable date story i mean the bowling one was like pretty memorable but or... was it a date if you never no. talked to her right like is that a date that's probably not a date if, if i don't <laughs> i'm so... gonna start just qualifying whatever i want as a date like i just go into a coffee shop and then i like don't talk to anyone and then i leave and i'm like wow what yeah. a fascinating date you know, it's, it's interesting that you 
asked this. So I have a, I have a story in mind that was like pretty good. Um, I'll tell the story first. So it was when I started the relationship, I was entering the relationship that I just left actually um, with Kelsey. And so we, yeah, I like, I, I wanted to surprise her. And so we met through the University of New Hampshire where we both did our undergrad. Uh, we were on the orientation program together, like worked, worked on the program. Um, and so I was going to go down to like her place and she lived in Plymouth, Massachusetts and the University of New Hampshire is in Durham, New Hampshire. So that's like pretty close, a couple hours away. And so I like talked to her mom and everything and like figured out like her favorite restaurant in Plymouth, Mass. It's like the seafood place. Um, and like planned out this night of like, I drive down, surprise her, have her mom like make up this like story that they were going to go to like a family gathering that was going to be kind of formal. So she was like, tell Kelsey to like put on a dress and stuff. And then like I had planned out the dinner and then we like walk the beach and then get like her favorite dessert, which is cheesecake. And then like sit under like the stars and like, wow, like enjoy that and everything. And I did it and it was awesome. Like Aww. it worked and, and she was super happy. Um, that was like, one of the only real dates I've been on. So this is like wow. the interesting, when I said it was interesting, you asked this question because yeah. all the relations, really all the relationships I've been in have come through like people that I've just either been friends with already or like I've been like in really just like close quarters with like, cause I've like, I dated a girl that lived on my, um, my hall of my residence or my floor of my residence hall, uh, my sophomore year, um, which people say not to do, but I did it anyway. <laughs> um, or like just meeting like Kelsey or um, I had another girlfriend like I met through the orientation program of like being orientation leaders together. And so it was like we had an experience that we like knew each other really well from. Yeah. And so it was like when we just started dating wow. and like, like entered the relationship, right? And didn't go on like dates of like getting to know each other That's first. That's fascinating. Yeah. So like I haven't had a ton of experience with that. And so now where I'm in this like single position it's all brand new yeah and it's exciting yeah it's nerve-wracking at the same time that's I'm awesome like, what do i do you know yeah yeah wow okay what does friendship mean to you wow i love that question oh my gosh shuri that's the definition shuri yeah, yeah she's a humble. great friend she is <laughs> that is friendship <laughs> oh um friendship is a like mutual experience um, in which each person or multiple people, like doesn't just need to be two, right. Can be their most authentic selves mm. and what they believe to be like as individuals, like the best version of themselves. Um, wow. whatever that looks like, I think. And it's, yeah, it's like just an experience and that comes to that connection that allows them to, to be that person for themselves. Wow. I think. That's a great definition. I've never gotten that before. Really? Yeah. What does family mean to you? Mm. And like the first thing that just came to my mind when you asked that is the fact that I'm not like the closest with my family. Mm. Um, I value like relationships and connection so much. But, you know, I talk to my parents who live back in New Hampshire in our hometown. Um, I talk to my parents like once a month sometimes. Uh, I talk to my brother the same like very infrequently and so I've over the past few years like really thought a lot about my more distant connection with my family and they are so supportive of me and like I could not ask for just like a better set of parents and more loving people um, mm -hmm. to have as my family but yeah I don't know like I don't know this doesn't really answer your question at all but 
I, I, I would say family is another group of people that like in that way, in a similar way to the, to the friendship piece. Um, yeah, allows you to be your most authentic self and like raw, vulnerable version of you, um, the best version of you, but like, and, and they will be there whether you are feeling that way um, or, you know, having your absolute worst of days and feeling so down um, and then anything in between and they're going to support you and believe in you and love you uh, regardless. Yeah. So, but I've, yeah, I, I, I think I want to do some more like almost investment and work like with my relationships with my mom, my dad and my brother, Ryan, um, in like the coming months and years in my life. Cause I've, mm. I've reflected on that a lot living out here in Ohio now. Yeah. Do you believe in soulmates? Oh man. I've gone back and forth. Yeah. My life. Really? Yeah. Soulmates is in like, so However for me, you define it. Like, I don't think that there's just one person out there Okay. because if I allowed myself to believe that I would always be asking myself like, what if my whole life, yeah. even if I was in a committed relationship. Yeah. Um, and I think I've found that like in the past relationships that I've been in recently, like still not feeling fully like happy as happy as I could or like in love. Um, and then asking myself, what if there's someone else out there um, that I could find more joy and more love with? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if I ever set myself up to believe that there's just one person out there, I think I would be asking myself that question my entire life, and I don't want to yeah. live that life. I don't yeah. think anybody does, really. That's fair. So to that, I think, I think there's people that, yeah, like have just really genuine connections like of the soul, if, if we want to call it that. Yeah, like yeah. that level of depth. But I think, yeah, you can find that with different people. And mm-hmm. it's not just, like, one person, maybe. Yeah. And then what scares you most about love? Not finding that. Yeah. Oof. That like, hit me in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, though. Yeah. No, that's real. Because I've been through hurt. Like, I've been hurt um, pretty bad. And then I've, you know, it's hard to admit, but, like, I've, I've caused hurt, too, like, in leaving relationships. Like, like relationships have just ended that have caused both myself and you know the other person to be hurt, um, whether it was initiated by them or by me. Um, I lived through both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so not that like I'm immune to that by any means, like, but yeah, not finding that like deep connection with that person um, is probably what scares me most. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time for first date do's and don'ts. So this is the segment where you can give us a first date do and a first date don't. And since you haven't been on many dates, (laughs) you can just guess. (laughs) 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 There's no right answer. (laughs) Okay. But there are Um, several wrong answers. I'm going to go ahead and say, based on my past experience, first date don't. um, Or wait, I guess it doesn't matter how I phrase this. First date don't do would be to talk to the person (laughs) so we're still classifying bullying as the date right like acknowledge their existence (laughs) as a person (laughs) with a pulse say hi right right like oh my god um so that's picturing you going on a date now and just like sitting across from them and like (laughs) not saying which like i don't think i could ever do that nowadays right like i don't see myself at least (laughs) That would be incredible. I would pay you to do that. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, um, sorry. Continue. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't ignore her. Yeah. <laughs> like, the thing is, I haven't talked about that or even thought about it in, like, years. That's incredible. And yet, here, I've talked about this more right now <laughs> than <laughs> the past, like, six to seven years of my life. Oh, my gosh. I think it's just so funny to me because, like, I would never guess that you would do that. <laughs> like, that is not I mean, the you that I've experienced ever. And right. so it's just, it makes it that much funnier. I'm a totally different person now. I was, when I was little, like, well, this started, like, middle school right through sometime in high school, um, like, sophomore year-ish. I was, like, this super shy, timid oh kid. Gosh. And just, like, I got, I had, like really bad like social anxiety and like just I hated going to school my Grammy used to have to drag me to school because my mom was a school (laughs) teacher and and that's the thing right my mom was a teacher in the elementary school that I went to from preschool through eighth grade I was in this building for 11 years with my mom in the same building and so people would have thought oh you're really comfortable here and I just hated going to school like I would get so nervous and and just like scared of like interacting with people um, teachers would freak me out. My bus driver, her name was, Pru- <laughs> her name was Prudy. Um, she scared me. Like everyone just scared me. Prudy. Like soccer coaches. Um, yeah, I was just so timid wow. and, and came out of my shell somewhere. Like that's so surprising. In high okay. School. Can yeah. I tell a story? Yeah, totally. To the listeners 100%. about our friendship. Yes. Okay. So I met Peter when we were both applying. We had like interviews on campus for a program. And I met you there, and you were super friendly, really cool. And then I didn't see him again until we were both students. Oh, no. <laughs> and so it was, like, it was like a student affairs big, like the big meeting that we would have at the very beginning of the year. And I saw Peter, and I think you would, like... I'm, you must have been standing in line next to me or something, and all I said was, like, hi. And then you were like, oh, hey, like, how's it going? And I was like, good. We just had small talk, and then we, like, I didn't, you know, see you again for a few days. And then Peter messaged me on Facebook this, like, <laughs> paragraph, like, apologizing for not remembering my name. And I literally had not even, like, given that a second thought. Like, because I think when we were in line, you'd been like, oh, like, what's your name again? And I literally, I did not, like think twice about it but I was like wow this is a lot like you sent me a paragraph apologizing for forgetting my name when I literally met you like six months before and had not talked to you or seen you since then so it's just funny to me that you like used to be afraid of people because I feel like you just are so like friendly and so like genuinely open to getting to know people so that's just really funny to me so I needed to share that because it's also like one of my favorite memories I still feel bad about that I just think that's so funny like, I would, I don't know. That's, I think I, I, I was like, it's not that deep, man. <laughs> like, I literally, it'd be different if I had met you, like, yesterday and mm-hmm. said my name, like, three times, and mm-hmm. then you were still like, what's your name? But mm-hmm. it was, like, literally, like, half a year later. And I, I, I think I used to be so, like, timid and shy, because, like, I've always had just, like, a lot of, like, happiness and just, like, emotion in me, just, like, mm-hmm. whether it's joy or, like, anything else. But I used to keep it, like, kind of bottled up when I was around other people. Yeah. Um, especially at, like, school and stuff like that. And I've, I think I've figured out, like, it's okay to, like, let that out and, like, and just, like, share it with people in the world. And that's what allowed me to, like, like, once I've realized that, yeah, um, was just able to be more me yeah. around people. For sure. Even if I forget their names. <laughs> <laughs> meet them for the second time. Oh, my gosh. I feel like this is 
probably the best segue that we're going to have into the topic of the week. So we are talking about um, men and masculinity, toxic masculinity, and how that kind of impacts relationships. And so um, most of you all know, I typically don't ask my guests to um, speak on something specific. I ask them what they want to talk about. And so can you tell us maybe a little bit why you are interested in talking about this? Yeah. Um, so thinking about masculinity, uh, you'll hear me say masculinities too, uh, but just thinking about masculinity as a topic has, has really come into my life over the past year, year and a half, um, really during my graduate experience here uh, at Miami University and um, I mean I think I think what, what happened for me was I lived my life you know as a male and have had like all these experiences um, of like trying to figure out what it means to be a man and in a lot of ways like how I've kind of been describing myself so far like valuing connection um, but like being just like really emotional and you know I enjoy being vulnerable uh, with people and, and just like sharing how I'm feeling um, and just like connecting really, really deeply with people. That is something that like uh, doesn't always fit in with like traditionally how society I think defines being a man, right? And then when I figured out, oh, like there's people at colleges that like actually want to talk about this stuff and talk to other college men about that, I was like, yes, like I want to be a part of that. Um, because it was a hard thing just to like experience growing up. Um, and so I think like when it comes to love and masculinity that there are like so many different rules and um, yeah, just like constraints sometimes that constraints that are, that are put on. And this is, this is not to say like men are like victims uh, by any means. Um, but I think there are, are constraints that are sometimes, I think like when it comes to love, and men and masculinity that at least from my own experience and I feel like what I see in a lot of my friends um, my guy friends and just like people and guys in general is that they aren't always allowed to express their love in ways that they should be they don't express their love in ways that I think they should be able to um, I think a lot of that comes from this like image of you know or ideal of like what it means to be a man and how they're supposed to like yeah be a man in society um and like live up to that ideal image um of like showing no emotion and um yeah like you know being just the person that's supposed to be like the provider for for people for the especially for like a family but a lot of it like comes down to not being able to like be vulnerable um, and I think like that just stops a lot of like relationships or love, like it, it just like prevents love from happening yeah. in a lot of ways when it can. And like it affects men, it affects women. Um, but I think like masculinity in a lot of ways can, yeah, like have that effect. And like, I'm like, let's talk about this. And like, I want to talk, I want to talk especially to other men about that. Um, and so yeah, I'm hoping like there's some, some guys out there that end up hearing this. Um, yeah. So what do you feel like has, what what have been some of the pressures, I guess, that you feel like can get in the way of like love and like intimacy because of mm. like toxic masculinity? Yeah. Yeah. And like, so you'll hear, 
you'll hear that phrase like toxic masculinity just to give like a little bit of yeah, background absolutely. on that like toxic masculinity you'll hear traditional masculinity um traditional uh, hegemonic masculinity it's like and that is just all of those things um kind of mean like this one like version of what it means to be a man that like society has it's been like socially constructed through history uh and people whether consciously or subconsciously have bought into it and like supported it and perpetuated it and as a result from when we're little boys to like older men like yeah yeah men buy into that and and perform kind of like these behaviors for what it means to be a man in society yeah so i think like show no emotions show no weakness for sure um so like no sissy stuff quote unquote you know it's and it's interesting like all everything that like what it means to be a man is always created in direct juxtaposition to what it means to be a woman Mm. and so it's it's typically being a man means not being a woman or not being feminine in any way so any feminine stereotypically feminine behavior attitude way of acting that is like what it means to not be a man and so don't do those things if you're a guy essentially um and so that yeah creates this set of rules or this almost like box and or this like this set of constraints that guys at, at times or really all their lives yeah um are kind of like raised in and like socialized into and and it looks very different i think like in a lot of ways from from guy to guy but like at the same time there's a lot of common themes throughout uh, especially around like the emotional piece showing no emotion showing no weakness um always win too like like you need to win you need to you know be into sports as well um being tough just like physically mentally emotionally tough um you know showing dominance uh, in a lot of ways um yeah and it's like and a lot of times like these things will conflict with one another too because there's literally some that will like it's like that doesn't make sense like you can't be both of those things but yeah society wants you to i mean i guess i think about like how men are expected to be emotionally like strong but that gets distorted into this like anger is the only emotion that you're allowed to feel and Mm -hmm. then it has to be channeled into aggression Mm -hmm. um which then ends up meaning that you're not really as like emotionally strong if you have no other ways of like processing Mm. feelings and emotions like i would say that's conflicting i don't know if people would like necessarily like look at that and think it was conflicting but i feel like how do you expect someone to be emotionally strong when you've never allowed them to have any other channels of processing feelings yeah definitely like anger um and then like violence can like be or seen as like the only outlet i think for male emotions like that's yeah the only like socially acceptable way to express emotion at times um yeah not the only but like that is so much more acceptable than i think like crying or or something like that especially for like an extended extended period of time Mm -hmm. like if a man cries pretty soon after that he's gonna be told to like okay like pull yourself together suck it up man up and kind of like deal with it right and just push forward uh toughen up like like you're gonna hear those things um and so not being given the opportunity to like fully feel express and like process through those emotions like that's where it can just be like binding and like and, and puts you in like a box at times almost yeah you know i think about for me like just i became a lot, like aware of a lot of this stuff like growing up as you know someone who loves sports and like being playing soccer and and running track and field and i also did like weight training in high school but being in the locker room um especially as like a thinner guy 
and you know just not feeling like I was at like man enough to be involved in those things um and so that's like how I became aware of a lot of that stuff and like just guys saying things in the locker room or um yeah just like it's like emasculating in a lot of ways yeah um and so not allowing those other ways of existing to also be defined as masculine or being a man like again it's always like this one form of it and if you don't meet that then you're not a man uh there's no in between um and so that's for me like i want to help men understand that like they can define masculinity in whatever way they want and like really lean into that and live that fully and just be yeah more of their authentic self and like actually label that as like being a man um and i think that's gonna benefit a lot of people in society in a lot of ways yeah um as we try to break down like that traditional kind of like you call it toxic masculinity um and like allow men to to love because especially when when i see it it's like men loving other men like yeah whether it's through like actually romantic relationships friendship like there there is really fine lines there yeah um and some some pretty um intense rules when it comes to like expressing your love for other men and i've run into those a lot in my life um whether it's the bro hug right <laughs> or the so the limited amount of contact amount of space like between you two like two male friends when they're walking down the, the street um they express like affection for each other by like hitting each other on the shoulder um right like i love you bro never just like i love you yeah like to ever say that to like a guy a friend it's like whoa that's weird but i love you bro like okay now we're acceptable like because we know it's like it's just his bros right (laughs) um so there's so much of that yeah and that's where it gets like it's just crazy complicated yeah i think it's interesting the way that it could or does impact like just friendships like I know that that's something that I've talked to some other guys about and just like how it can like negatively impact the ability to get close yes um and to be vulnerable which Mm is I don't know it just I feel like it does such a disservice like I have so many friends um you know who like my because my I I say this because like I've experienced it like I think as a man like we want to talk about like how we're feeling um or at least a large number of us do, but it's almost like we don't know how at times because of like how we've been socialized and raised to realize that like that's not really acceptable. Um, and my, I mean, I have like, there's a student that I work with right now um, in the Leadership Institute and he, like he and I will have one-on-ones once in a while and just like talk about life. And he says to me the other day, he's like, you know, I don't have, a single guy friend here at Miami, and he's a sophomore right now, that, like, I've been able to, like, talk that vulnerably with or, like, mm-hmm. get to that deep of a level with. And we're just talking about, like, life topics, you know, yeah. what we're passionate about and, like, our families, uh, where we come from and, like, where we want to go to. And that was, like, like t- it took me back, a minute, like, a little bit. I was like, what? How, how do you not, how have you never been able to have a conversation like that with um, another guy? And... But then I realized, like, that's, I feel like that, again, is, like, masculinity, traditional masculinity, like, at work again. Yeah. You know? Which I feel like, I don't know, this could be getting too, um, <laughs> sahi. 
but I feel like that a lot of it is also probably really closely related to like homophobia and yes. like so it's like what other like what it what is it that you're afraid of like that mm-hmm. that has become probably one of my favorite questions lately and having like harder conversations or mm. maybe more um like vulnerable conversations of like or pushing the boundaries what are you afraid of? Like, what mm. is it that you're afraid of? So like with men, yeah. when you're being vulnerable with other men, what is it that you're afraid of? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's as sad, sad as it is, it's, they're afraid of being labeled as gay. Like, so remember how I was saying like, what it means to be a man is created in juxtaposition to what it means to be a woman. Right. It's, it's that piece. And then it's also what it means to be a real man is the opposite of what it means to be gay. Yeah. Um, and, it's just unbelievably, like, unbelievable to me how, like, that's how it's outlined in com- an exact contrast to those yeah. two things. And I don't know why, yeah, like, that is so, viewed so negatively. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, like, like that's the, the end-all, be-all is to be, like, labeled as, as gay or, like, as feminine, um, you know, be called a sissy. And that's what those words, like, mean. Um, and men will do anything they can at times to not be viewed that way. And that's like, so then they choose these like other avenues, behaviors uh, of traditional masculinity and like upholding that, even if it rips them apart inside. Um, and it's just brutal at times. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that it must be like awfully limiting to think that you can't be strong and tough and also sensitive. Like, mm-hmm. it's one I or don't, the other, right? I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. Like, I think that you can. <laughs> be tough and tender like i think that those are both you mm-hmm. know things that can coexist and like you feel those at different times expressing emotion and being vulnerable like is a version of strength too yeah. i think right yeah but that's not traditionally how it's viewed right, right. like it's seen as a weakness yeah. so i have a question for you i want totally. to know what your take is on this um i think it's a very I feel like maybe it is like dying out a little bit but i have heard this since i was a small child um But in terms of, like, dating relationships, very, like, heterosexual. This idea that women want love and affection and men want respect. Hmm. And I know that you, like, are not a representative of all men. Mm. But I think it's interesting to think about because I feel like it always has been in the same context of, like, what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Yeah. I can can definitely, like, see that largely uh, in society. And I think especially on the, on the male side of things, like men wanting respect, it is, and it's, it's all about where that respect comes from. Men want to be respected by other men, mm. and they gain that respect by having a female partner or, or just like, right, like, ha- like, yeah, you know, being with women, like that in the eyes of other men will like give them a, a form of respect that's from them. And so, and that's the thing, like all of those behaviors and, and like things that, that men will do, um, yeah, to like perform that like traditional masculinity, they're always trying to be viewed as a man by other men. Um, and it's not always, it, it rarely is it by women necessarily. Like they, they want to, I think, be seen and noticed and, and like be attractive to women and stuff. And this is obviously talking in a very like heteronormative way, like mm-hmm. um, about straight guys. But yeah, like nine times out of 10, they're, they're trying to prove their manhood to other men friends, fathers, coaches, because that's where you receive lessons of like 
this is what it means to be a man, mm-hmm. act this way, do these things. Like I can remember receiving it from my soccer coach, like word for word, his name was Mr. Nelson. He used to scream at us, um, don't be a sissy. Wow. And me as again, this timid, this is back fifth grade when I was this timid, shy little, little kid that didn't want to talk to anybody, but loved the game of soccer because it just brought me such joy to like be out there with friends and be running and like all those things. But when you're told don't be a sissy and man up, like I couldn't even play for that coach after I actually like switched teams and everything. But I say that to, to mean that like this is where we receive those lessons. So then we feel like we have to prove our manhood in the eyes of those men. And so that respect to get back to what you were saying, mm-hmm. like most often is being sought from other men. That's a really interesting take on it. That's so fascinating because mm-hmm. I feel like whenever I've heard it, it's been like almost as this like trying to give helpful advice to like new couples and like Mm. very much given to women as this like (laughs) this episode just will be explicit but um like perpetuating this idea that like women just want like romance and like love and affection and men want like submission and like sex not like Mm. a real relationship Mm. and not any sort of like emotional intimacy but like just sex and so I feel like I've heard it like linked with those other concepts mm-hmm. and I feel like it I think I I don't know like I I feel like when you hear that stuff from such a young age like probably both as men and women mm-hmm. like you just believe it and 100%. so then I was like I wonder no wonder we buy into it yeah like right? even, We've heard like, it all our lives. even men who like will say that like is it that you actually don't care about love and affection or you just think you're not allowed to mm-hmm. or you just have been taught not to value it mm-hmm. or to see it as important because you've never experienced it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting to think about though. Like I would argue that just attraction from women or just, yeah, like sex or and then that respect from other men, like if that's all men are really after, that that is a pretty empty life. And I think men really, like they are are looking for love. And whether you call it romance or whatnot, but like they're looking for love and for that connection, um, whether they realize it or not. And, and they might not realize it because of, again, like what they've been raised in, how they've grown up and socialized and like this idea of masculinity and what, and what it looks like to be a man in a relationship that they've bought into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fascinating. There's so much to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some of the like, I imagine that when you have these conversations with, especially like, cause college men are, I mean, college students are the people that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, what if, what are some of the typical like defense mechanisms? Like when you start having these conversations? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's like the classic, uh, just kind of explaining it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just guys being dudes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Boys being boys, boys will be boys. Um, or this like, people just buying into the gender roles, like these traditional gender roles of like what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and saying like, yeah, like that's how it's always been. That's how it's always going to be. Um, So really like explaining a way that there could be any other like definition of masculinity or way of being a man other than the traditional like breadwinner for the household, like, yeah, like being domineering and tough and showing no weakness because men were the ones that like, won the wars and like and and brought the country like to where it is today and you know everything from like the pioneers to yeah like you know leader roles and like all all of that stuff um like looking back on it and like using that to explain Mm. 
like how and why men should be a certain way today um when like those men were buying into the same and being raised in and like socialized to like the same definition or or image of what it meant to be a man then you know um i feel like it's that um or (laughs) like biology i literally saw this on facebook today um this like they were i don't remember what they were talking about but they were just like I think it was with the military and how like women could be like drafted or whatever and they were just like this doesn't make sense biologically and I was like mm. okay like but I don't I still don't even I like I, I understand that like there's like different different anatomy or whatever but I still don't really see how that makes a huge difference when it comes to like feelings and like right. <laughs> being able to like express Ex- emotions or like still defining what is masculine or feminine mm-hmm. it's like taking something as basic as like chromosomes and testosterone and like stringing it all the way out to how yeah men should just like talk about how they're feeling right exactly (laughs) and so i I think there's there's some level right of biological differences obviously but just having some testosterone doesn't mean that like men are inherently violent in like the majority of their interactions with people or anything or that they need to be right um, or that that's the only way they can really express right, what they're feeling and have that come through anger and stuff like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so biology will be used a lot to like yeah. explain it. I mean, that's like a, I feel like it's, it can be kind of like similar to when you have conversations about um, like, I don't know, people with marginalized identities as in if you tell a group of people like that they are all of these things over and over and over again, like eventually they're just going to act it out because they believe it. Not because it's innate, like, but because you've taught them that. And so that's Mm -hmm. what they believe about themselves. And so then that's how they behave. Right. They don't even realize that there's other ways to be and exist. Right. Like because of what society has told them for so long. And I think it's, it's hard because it, like toxic masculinity or traditional masculinity not only impacts men but it also impacts women like i think about like the gender roles that like women are forced into and if you if that is how you like want to live if that's how you are if that is just who you are that's fine but like not everyone is the same so i think about like women i know that i love and care about who have been like almost like ostracized by people because they were like too aggressive or Mm -hmm. just more forward or had opinions Mm -hmm. um and had been told to like scale it back and to calm down but if men do it it's okay and it's expected and it's just like what like what is it that you're like what what are you afraid of exactly (laughs) you know like if people step out of these like quote-unquote traditional like roles like what is it that you're so afraid of is going to happen you know and that's like you saying that like people you've seen people be ostracized um and like for me this goes all the way back to like the movie title um of like my life like making others feel at home like for me i i see i think and again it's, i'm just going to keep talking about like the men's side of things just because as a male like that's what i see mm-hmm. first and foremost like men searching for like a sense of home and like who they are as a man like like feeling at home with their manhood but they can't find that um, and you know by just inventing it themselves or or defining it for themselves uh, because they are then like ostracized by people and so they then will go towards yeah these like traditionally um, or toxic masculinity behaviors uh, in search of like that sense of home um, and I want to help men like feel at home with their manhood 
in any way that they would like to define it most authentically for themselves. Yeah. Same with, with women, um, you know, and same with all genders. Uh, and so I think, like, that's, like, what I, what I would be after. Yeah. Um, um, just for, like, the sake of time and to keep totally. things flowing, is there anything, any, like, advice or tips that you would give maybe men who might be listening to this that are mm. maybe, like, finding, like, a new language for the first time in this or maybe, mm. like, resonating with some of the stuff that you're talking about? Yeah, I would say, I mean, first and foremost, yeah, so I would say whether it's for yourself or for other men in your life, um, ask, ask yourself or ask them, what does it mean to you to be a man? Mm. And just start to think about those things, reflect. Um, and then once you've identified some of those things, ask yourself, where did I learn those lessons? And who did I learn those things from? Um, a lot of those answers I think are going to be parents and, you know, peers and teachers and coaches. Uh, but you start to realize like, where we pick these things up from mm. and and why we believe what we believe but i think we just don't talk about it nearly enough like like we don't talk it's just assumed right, right. of what it means to be a man is, is this image what it means to be a woman is this this ideal image uh fitting into a box and i would start yeah by asking yourself uh what that means and, and where you learn that and then see if that really aligns with the type of man you want to be or that your friend wants to be or anybody else. And then from there, know that like you have the ability, the agency to define that for yourself and you fully deserve to create that, like that manhood, that more authentic manhood for you, for you as an individual and live that fully uh, and that you will be accepted and welcomed um, for that, you know, with the, the people that, that love you, like to, to tie this back to love, right? Uh, and I think know that like men, men might not realize they wanna talk about that or reflect on that, but when you asked about like, what are some defense mechanisms and whatnot, it was actually hard for me at first to think about those because I've found when I ask men, like they aren't that defensive at first because I'll, I'll ask them that question first, like, hey, what does it mean to be a man? And they're just like, oh, I don't really know. And then they just, you see the gears start to turn and things will just kind of come out of their mouths and like we'll we'll talk about again these like show no weakness show no emotion behaviors and they're like yep yep i've seen that in the locker room i've seen that on the sports team like I've seen that from my coach and my fraternity like uh and it's just really real experiences that we've all lived as men um and then they realize like wow i can talk about this and connect with other guys through these things yeah. that are just they go unspoken um and and yeah it just opens up this whole like door to conversation and understanding that I think needs to be opened yeah for sure thanks so much Peter <laughs> thank you Sheree okay so we're gonna move on and it's time for 575 so we're gonna write love haikus to our listeners so we will be back right after this All right, everybody, so we are back, and we're ready to read these love haikus. Peter is dancing. Uh, so, Peter, you have to read this in your most dramatic and or sultry voice, and then we snap afterwards. So whenever you're ready, you can read us your three words, your title, and your poem. All right, this is a pretty serious topic, though, so I don't know how the whole sultry voice is going to go, but we're going to... Then you can be dramatic. Oh, I can be dramatic? I don't know. We're just going to try it out. Okay. Anyway, the three words were heart 
captivating and hugs or hug and so the title of this is men you can love <laughs> masculinity captivating men's minds hearts yearning to hug wow <laughs> iconic peter an original <laughs> I'm proud of you. You kept that snap going a long time. I know. (laughs) I'm a lost snapper. I'm proud of you. Thanks. I know how uncomfortable that was for you. Okay. That was nice. So my poem, my three words actually, my three words were date, enchant, and love. Mm. And my poem is called Bowling. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) You were enchanting. The best date I've ever had. A love without words. (laughs) (laughs) That gets every snap out there. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my gosh. That was really hard to get through. (laughs) All right. Hey, we need to, um, I need to go bowling to like reclaim that experience for me or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it is time for Fix My Love Life. Now, this is the portion where we are going to answer a question from an audience member and answer to the best of our ability, knowing that we're not experts, but we'll talk. All right. So this comes from Andrew, and Andrew's question was pretty simple. He just asked, what are the effects of media on relationships? I'm not really sure that we have advice for this, (laughs) but we can try. Yeah. Media, in a lot of ways, I think social media especially, is gonna or is like providing this unrealistic image of what you know relationships should look like mm-hmm. because a lot of people I mean myself included like on my Instagram whatnot like people post their the best versions of themselves or like what they want the world to see um, with like no cracks right or or anything like no nothing showing nothing wrong and so that's like when it comes to relationships, what people typically see online. And so then they have this unreal, like unrealistic expectation of what their relationship should be. And this has happened to me where like, I will literally see relationships of other people, my friends and like second guess my relationship that I'm in at the time because, Oh, it's not exactly like that. Or for whatever reason, it's not aligning with that exactly. So something therefore must be wrong with my relationship. And it just creates this, like, I think, dangerous spiral at times, like, you can get into, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I would echo all of that. I think that it's really easy to see other couples and other relationships. And, I mean, the reality is you don't see the fights. Like, you don't see arguments or when people hurt each other's feelings or when things get really hard. Um, I think it also can become a hub in certain seasons of your life for only pictures of engagements and babies. And that can be really hard if you're not in that same place and it's something that you want or even if it's not something that you want but you feel pressure to have that I think on the flip side the positive impact so I think specifically about this account that I follow called insta single and it just is like (laughs) a bunch of jokes around and memes around like dating and singleness and relationships and I think that sometimes that can provide um, almost like a very distant sort of community of like okay so I'm not the only one who like experiences these feelings or like thinks this way and so I think as most things do in life like there are positives and negatives Mm -hmm. um positive and negative ways of being impacted and stuff like that um but yeah 
Yeah. I mean, I would just say, like, in general, whenever you're on social media, to, like, take everything with a grain of salt. Yes. You know? Yes, I would, I would totally echo that. Um, I liked what you said about, like, uh, creating that, like, distant sense of community. Like, it almost normalizes, like, the notion of being single, right? Yeah. Or, and, like, lets you know that, like, you're not alone. Like, like uh, I'm not alone right. in being single. Uh, there's other people going through that out there in the world. And, like, to laugh at it, too, right. through, like, some Instagram memes, like, is healthy, I think. And sure. that's a really a really good way to, yeah, be living through that. Um, and exactly, yeah, take that, take everything on social media, though, regardless, with a grain of salt, and know that it's never going to be full reality. Right, yeah. Okay, Peter, it is time for the relationship of the week. This is just your parting words. It can be on the topic, or it can be something completely different, but what advice or words of wisdom do you want to give our listeners? I, I guess I'll say this. So, two things that came came to mind. I mean, one of them I already said was, uh, but these were two things that I was told by, yeah, my biggest mentor in my life um, were that first, and this is what I said earlier, is that every relationship you are in and then, and then leave um, is leading you closer and closer to that person that is right for you. Um, and again, it's not just that like one soulmate because I, I don't really believe that, but um, yeah, it's almost like leading you closer to the person that you know, you are going to connect with on that level that will just like kind of keep you to there because it's, it's filling you up with yeah, joy and love, uh, in a way that you'll be fully like satisfied and fulfilled with each other. And so I think that's encouraging to know that like, cause I think leaving relationships is really hard and it feels like this is the end all be all. And I'm never going to like, you know, be with anybody again, or I just maybe left like the best years of my life or threw something away that I shouldn't have. But like, if you can have that mindset of like the, the act of leaving that relationship is the step you need to become that much closer to like that relationship that will be the one that, you know, you, you're potentially in for the rest of your life and with that person. Um, like that's almost an exciting way to look at it, yeah. I think. And the last piece would be, the second thing is, uh, whoever that person is, um, I believe will show up when you least expect it. Um, or, or they'll show up when you least expect them to, uh, in the place or the time where you're, yeah, you're just not expecting it at all. Um, and then there they are. And I think that's what makes it so special. Wow. And you said you weren't a poet, Peter. <laughs> all right. Thank you again so much for being a guest on the show. Loved having you. Um, as always, everyone, if you have a question or a comment for the podcast, you can go to www.elephantsinlove.com, click on the podcast page, and leave a comment right there. So uh, we'll talk next time.